Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. Welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. And today I have, uh, you know, someone that's truly my predecessor. You know, I want to start off by saying thank you so much for all you've done to the 12-step program, for the 12-step program, for our community, for South Florida Recovery. When I got clean, you were like top five people that, when you went to meetings and you heard that, you know, Will G was speaking, it was like, I mean, I would rush to go sit up front, like the way you broke stuff down. I'll never forget your sharing once and you were like, yeah, you know, uh, there's that movie that came out, American Gangsta, and you were like, yeah, I was in that movie. I'm the cat shooting up in the corner. <laughs> and I remember being like, wow, like I remember just laughing and there was so much genuine authenticity in the way that you shared that made me want to keep coming. Gotcha. So I appreciate you and uh, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, thank you. Grateful to be here. Yeah. So how long you been clean now? Coming up on 33. It'll be mm-hmm. 33 May Cinco de Mayo. May 5th. May 5th? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So what's your story about where you Well, let's go all the way back. <laughs> go all the way back. Yeah, I'm from New York, New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up in Harlem. Was in Harlem for many, many years, and my family decided to move out to Staten Island, big ups to Staten Island, uh, Wu Tang Clan, mm-hmm. right? My grandmother never left. My grandmother stayed on 117th Street, Lenox Avenue, and my aunt. And when they would send all the kids to the fresh air funds during the summertime, I would go back to Harlem and hang out with my with my grandmother and them. And it was really um, based on the community raises the kids. I mean, we never really locked the doors or mm-hmm. any of that. And everybody knew everybody. I think they say the village raises the kids. That's mm-hmm. what I was trying to think. And so I grew up in that type of environment. The drug addicts back then, uh, we used to laugh at them and run and push them down and pull their mm-hmm. pants down as we were running. And we said we'd never be like that, you know? And the bums, we used to call the alcoholics the bums. And we'll never be like that. 20 years later, we're exactly mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, man, I had a great childhood. Um, my father was uh, very close to the uh, Baptist ministry. My grandmother was a holy role. I think they call them Seventh days mm-hmm. Evangel. I used to love to go to a church. The last but not least, I converted to Catholicism. When I was like 10 years old, we had Father McCarthy, and Father McCarthy was really an innovator in Harlem uh, with the kids. I went, uh, made my confirmation, my communion, was looking for God, I believe, back then. And it was really uh, interesting with Father McCarthy. He used to say, you know what, Will? You're a credit to your race. And I would be like, credit to my race? What the hell does that mean? And he would say, yes, the human race. 
I never forgot that. You know, that, that stuck with me. And he used to tell me, you can do and you can be anything you want to be if you're willing to um, put in the work. Mm -hmm. And of course, I wasn't willing to do any of that. After Catholic school, I, I hung out. We drank beer and stuff on the weekends and all that. And at 17 years old, I got my girlfriend pregnant. I didn't have no interest in going to school or graduating, so I joined the United States Marine Corps, and you know the rest of the story with all that. Uh, came back, PTSD. Uh, I remember going to the doctor, and the doctor said to me, um, you know, I'm gonna diagnose you consistent with PTSD and paranoia schizophrenic, right? I said, wow, but that sounds better than an addict, so I think I'll hold on to that. After he said to me, well, you know, that'll, that'll be $100. I said, oh, fine, here's 50, get the other 50 from the other personality. And that was true, I, that's a true story. But yeah, and then continuing to go through this process, and I was really a nice kid. You know, when I look back at it, I was really a nice kid. And of course, after the service, the 60s, I grew up in the 60s, drugs, rock and roll, love, I mean, that, that whole thing. My wife, we um, had two kids at that time. That's when I went into the down spiral, into the black hole, if you would. The depression kicked in and all the rest of that stuff. And so I just started self-medicating, started shooting heroin. That was the thing. My family dealt heroin, uh, my mother, my father. So I come from that anti-social background. When you saw it as a kid, did you ever think you were going to do it? Never. Because no. remember, we used to laugh at the guys nodding and and I never ever thought I would do that. But How did you cross that line? It was the thing to do to be a part of. Other people were starting yeah, to do Yeah, this is what we did. As a matter of fact, I started smoking reefer. Mm -hmm. They said, listen, we ain't doing that no more. We're doing this. And all you gotta do is kind of snort it, right? So it was cocaine, right? You snorted, you got good, you got right, you were ready. Then they came out with the doogee. They called it doogee in there. Listen, all we're doing is snorting. Don't worry about a thing. We ain't gonna be like those guys. Mm -hmm. Started snorting that. And they said, yo, Attic Man, that's Attic Man. We ain't doing that no more. Mm -hmm. We're doing this. Okay, what's this? We're skin popping. We ain't mainlining, so we ain't really that bad. It ain't gonna... So started mainlining. And of course it progressed. Yo, we ain't wasting it no more. We're mainlining. And once it got to that, Game over. Game over. I mean, you know, I was married. I got married when I was 17. Two beautiful kids. It was on and popping. I mean, everything, you know, came first. First of all, I had to, I had to get right first. And once I did that, I was father knows best. I was everything I wanted to be until I ran out. I never had no problem until I ran out. And then I had to, uh, to make them adjustments in order to to get that and man I, I remember crawling on the floor like a snake up to my mother's bed and going in her pocketbook under the bed and takes twenty dollars that's all I'm gonna do I'm gonna take five and bring 15 back mm -hmm. and you know the story with that never ever ever and this is the part that that i hold on to my mother would say somebody's taking stealing from me or money i know i had and my siblings would say ma you know as well and my mother would say no my baby would never steal from mm -hmm. me and it got so bad with her she would leave the pocketbook open and just leave the 20 on, uh -huh. on her, uh -huh. so i could just grab it and go and and that, you're an enabler. Hey, co-conspirator to my death. <laughs> she was there all the time. I, I just gotta let you know that. She always, boy, what, when are you gonna stop? You know, look at me, I don't drink, I don't do, I stopped all that, I don't smoke. And I would be like, well, well just give me 20 and I'll give you 40 back. And that was my spiel for many years. And it happened like maybe five, ten, maybe ten years in. And I remember saying, listen, I'm going to treat. I'm going to Bernstein, New York, Bernstein on 14th Street. She took me, we got a cab from uptown, took me downtown. And the guy who was doing the interview, I'll never forget this, he called me an addict, a junkie addict in front of my mother. 
And I said, let's go. And my mother said, let's go, let's go win. Did you hear what he called me? Mm -hmm. And she said, yeah, okay, let's go. So we got in the cab. She didn't say anything. Ma, let me hold 20. You know I'll give you 40 back. Same shit. We went back uptown. When I went and got high, came back, all my stuff was on the stoop. Mm -hmm. And she said, you will never, ever step a foot in my house again until you do something to help yourself. And of course I didn't. I had two kids, Christmas time coming around, I couldn't go in the house. She wouldn't let me even close to the house. And I would tell the kids, yo, um, y'all got any money? And, <laughs> That's your kids if they had money. Yeah, yeah, right. And my son would say, no, I still got a resentment with it. <laughs> and my daughter would say, wait a minute, dad. And she would go in the room, go in a piggy bank and bring me all the change out. Mm -hmm. Never ever want to forget that. That's another reason why I stay clean. That went on for a minute, a couple of years. I couldn't stop. I wanted to stop. I couldn't stop. I wasn't really willing to stop, to be honest with you. So I had all these excuses and, you know, the, the rigmarole and the, I just held on to the behavior. Today I know it was mostly with me. It was all about behavior and what happened you know, as a kid and, and, and all of that stuff. But I went on and on and on and we got to a place where I said, I'm moving to Florida. And I moved to Florida. How old were you? I, when I moved to Florida, I think I was like 30, something like okay. that. Yeah, I came to Florida when I was 30. I still didn't want to stop. The only reason I came to Florida is because that Miami Vice was on and okay. all the cocaine was mm -hmm. in Florida. And this lady that I happened to be with moved down here and. Nothing changed. Only this time, instead of going to treatment, I went to jail mm -hmm. and I got lucky because I went into the program where we used to bring meetings mm -hmm. and stuff in. And I went in there and I met this lady, Maud, and she kind of mentored me and she said, listen, here's where you need to go. So she gave me a pamphlet to go to an NA meeting and the meeting at High Hades okay. in there. And I said, well, I'm gonna go just to see what happens. And then I went and I seen all these people, right? None of them, even maybe one or two looked like me and Attic Man came out and said, what are you doing here? You can't, these people don't even look like mm -hmm. you. But I know I was looking for every which way to leave. And I met this guy, his name was Mike. He was a Vietnam vet and he, pulled me off to the side and he was in AA and he pointed his finger down the hall and said, see those meetings down there? That's where you need to be. And it was an AA meeting. And when I went in there, I was home. I was home and that was the beginning for me, uh, the 12 step programs uh, that I've been involved with over the years. What was really true is when I got there, everybody there, when I listened to their stories, they had the same story as me. And the young guys, some of the guys that I know, I won't say anything on air, motivated me because I seen me in them. You see where I'm going? And I would say to myself, once I seen me in them, I would see my son and the guys and my daughters and the girls. And I was like, wow, I can start to make amends to my family. Mm and make sure that I'm here. What was your relationship like when you got clean with them? Were they speaking to you? Were they mad at you? Nah, my daughter didn't speak to me for 15 years. 15 years? 15 years. Wow. I went out for a pack of cigarettes and didn't come back for 15 years. And I listened today to a lot of that stuff. Just keep coming, you know? And after 15 years, my daughter called me and said, Dad, uh, my son is uh, in Tampa. He got locked up for transporting guns and supposedly attempt on a police officer, you know, could you show up for him? And I showed up. That's what brought me in her back, and I showed up. And when I was in court, the judge was asked me if I had anything to say, and I, and I said, oh, sir, I, and you know me, I could run my mm -hmm. mouth. I think it was a legal aid. said, well, this is his grandfather. His grandfather came all the way from Fort Lauderdale to show up for him. Nobody had showed up for him. So the judge was looking at me kind of strange and she said, never mind, I don't want to, I got something I want to ask you. And she looked at my grandson and she said, listen, today I'm going to set a precedent. Today, I'm going to give you 
a year's probation. Next year, you need to come back and make sure that you have your GED and make sure that you definitely continue your aftercare program and you can thank your grandfather for that. Okay, and the gist to all of that is that, you know, he went back downstairs and stuff like that. She kind of looked at me and I had my medallion on. Mm -hmm. And she kind of winked at me and said, keep doing what you do. That blew me away. You know, on the strength of my recovery, mm -hmm. she made a decision not to send him to jail or any of that, but kind of put him on the same path as me. I think we call it the yellow brick road, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I tell a lot of the people that I work with today, stay on the yellow brick road. And as you go down the yellow brick road, you got the munchkins over there, you got the, the wicked witch of... Just keep going to Oz, and once you get to Oz, you'll find the truth, you know? And then when you get to Oz and you pull the curtain back, you'll see Once you click your heels to go back home, you'll wake up and find it was just a dream. Everything that you were looking for outside of you, you already possessed. You and your buddies. I think the line was looking for courage. I always remember the line, the tin mm -hmm. man, the heart. But all of that stuff, and. All of you guys already possessed it. You just was looking for it out here instead of looking for it in here. So that's kind of my mantra. I, I kind of live that on a daily basis. Instead of me going outside of myself, continuing to look for something to address a spiritual problem with monetary stuff, it never works for me. Mm -hmm. However, if I get better inside, I'll make better choices outside. And I can achieve my goals if I set a few goals in order to get somewhere. I think 2012, I went back to school, right? What encouraged you to go to school? Because I know, like, like, when I got clean, that was one of the things that would inspire me because, you know, I got clean young, and I remember thinking, like, I don't want to go back to school. I don't think I can do it. And I would see people like you talking about going back to school and that you went back to school and got all these degrees. Yes. And you were one of the motivating factors. It was nice to see you guys. And I forget the guy that used to hang out with you. Carl? Carl. Mm -hmm. I, was talk I was sharing in the meeting how I had a fourth grade math level. Mm. And I'll never forget Carl coming up saying to me, if you need any help, man, just give me a call. Mm -hmm. And as we continued, I had this other couple come up and said, I'm going to sign a verbal contract with you, Will. And I said, what's that? They said, you... So, in, in man's right, and I said, yeah, fourth grade, man, I mean, I was really shot down. And they said, well, what we're going to do, we're going to sign a contract with you for a whole year. You're going to meet with us every Saturday morning for two hours, and we're going to teach you the formulas to statistics. I got an A in statistics. Mm -hmm. Again, I was open-minded, I opened my heart. And I was just willing to learn, man. And I just keep, kept going because I wanted to do, I wanted to be a therapist, a counselor, or something like that. And you had to have some type of sheepskin to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I went back to high school. How old were you when you went back to school? 60. What? Yeah, 60. I'm 73 You're now. 73 now? Yeah. You look good. Black don't crack. Wow, black don't crack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And you know why? I feel good, and mm -hmm. I think that emanates from... Uh, who I am on the inside, I'm clean, and, mm -hmm. and I live a life that's beyond my wildest dream. Was so it I, intimidating going back to school? Absolutely. And all my friends, the ones mm -hmm. even you know, they would laugh at me and say, what the hell are you in school? You're in school with your grandchildren. Don't you feel And I went to Miami prep or something uh -huh. like that. I got a high school diploma, and I used to wave it in front of them. I said, see, it's a high school diploma, the energy, It's a real one. Yeah, and we mm -hmm. would laugh. And then I went to Barry University. They had the um, social work program now. And I said, I don't really want to be no social work. I want to be a therapist, mm -hmm. substance abuse, mental health. So I transferred to uh, Springfield College in Tampa. And I went, my first two years, I went from Wednesdays to Sunday. And then my last two years, I went from Fridays to Sundays. And then I went to Sedona University and signed up for the doctoral program. 
I think maybe April 22nd or something like that. The next time you see me, you'll call me Dr. Will. Well, so you're in school still? Yeah. Well, yeah. To, to get your doctorate? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to be Dr. Will? Dr. Will, not to oh, be confused crazy. with Dr. Phil. <laughs> there Dr. You go. Will. And, wow, that's uh, insane. That's crazy. Yeah, but you were a part of that. Don't forget, it was all the young guys I was listening mm -hmm. to. And I said, wow, man. And maybe I could tap in with them and they would help me. And that's exactly what happened. And then I'm a learner kind of guy. I like learning. I love learning about different aspects of, of life in general, different cultures, mm -hmm. you know, the whole thing. I got my degree and a friend of mine flew my family in. Wow. Yeah, yeah my daughter's. To go see you graduate? Yeah. And then the whole crew, mm -hmm. they came up. So your daughter that didn't talk to you for 15 years got to see you graduate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her and my two grandchildren. She's my champion today. So if you're struggling out there with your kids and your, your mom or your family, just know that it takes time for healing and you can't put healing on time. Mm -hmm. Make mealtime easy with delicious recipes made with fresh, wholesome ingredients delivered to your door. No lines, no hassle, just great tasting meals you can whip up and enjoy in the comfort of home. HelloFresh knows you're busy. That's why they take care of the meal planning and prepping, freeing up extra time in your schedule. With pre-portioned ingredients, foolproof recipes, and convenient doorstep delivery, HelloFresh makes it easy to get dinner on the table. Go to HelloFresh.com Exit60 and use code Exit60 for 60% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Exit60 and use code Exit60 for 60% off plus free shipping. And I believe in how I you know, approach this stuff is I just stay on the yellow brick road because whomever it is, they're going to watch you. You can talk about treatment, you can talk about anything that you're doing and you're mm -hmm. wonderful, but they're going to watch your feet. And as you change, you know, cause and effect, they'll change and adapt to to your behavior instead of you trying to adapt to all of that. I found that never worked for me of me trying to revamp and be living in somebody else's mm -hmm. standards and all of that. And I'm still learning. I ask questions all the time about what's going on with me and how to advance and what I'm doing now mm -hmm. with the MET stuff. And that's uh, motivational enhancement therapy. That's what I do. I like more the inspirational stuff opposed to, you know, the, cl the clinical stuff. It's all clinical. But I like to motivate, and I like to stay down in the dungeon. And I got some mm -hmm. people that I know. I think 15 years clean, I'm minding my own business, and I go to this treatment of Hazleton, I think it was, and we go up there, a friend of mine, he's passed away, Uncle Bob, you old man, you probably remember him. I met one of my guys up there that I still sponsor, but he couldn't get clean in the 12-step program that I was going to because the people wouldn't let him. I get an autograph. I remember you in the 1986 wow. World Series. And, and I could say his name, and I'm mm -hmm. going to say his name because I have permission. And he wrote three books, and I'm in all three books. Mm -hmm. And so it's on record. And he always tells me, listen, whenever you share your story, you make sure you share your story about your son. And I said, I, my son, I always tell He said, no, I'm talking about me mm -hmm. and what my struggles are. So I've met most of my heroes in here, and I met them and going to meetings and, and being a part of the community. Getting back to my son, he's like 6'6", six, six maybe, maybe taller than that. Mm -hmm. He'll probably go down in the history as in the top five of the greatest left-handed hitters of all time, National League and American mm -hmm. League. He's in the 50-50 club. and Are I mean, sponsoring him? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to say his name in a minute. I want to build the story mm -hmm. up. And I met him, and we clicked, and he used to tell me all the time, you know, well, what I like about you is you don't tell me how to recover. You show me how to recover based on, on your actions. And I do that with, with some of the people that I sponsor today. I don't try to dictate to how and what. And they can't do You can't wear this, and you can't. No, and in your time, you meet people where they're at, and you greet them, and you help them where they're at. You don't try to put them in a, in a spot. And listen, I go out even today with this guy, and the parents have gotten more sophisticated. They don't come over and ask for no autograph. They'll send the kids over. 
I get deterred with like yo, let the guy eat. Yeah, he's just eating food. And he mm -hmm. don't care, he'll sign autographs. We just went out to the Cheesecake Factory on Las Solas and we couldn't get out of the place. Wow. And he stood and signed every damn autograph. And it's hard for him to go to meetings because everyone just keeps asking for a song. Autographs, yeah. They see him as the anonymity is not there. Yeah. They see him as. Yeah, I had someone on the show, uh, Jake the Snake, and he's like, you know, a famous wrestler. Oh, that's my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was on the show a couple Bruce. weeks ago. Wow. Yeah, and he was like, man, I love going to meetings, but everyone was just surrounding me and asking yeah. for autographs, and he, it was really hard for him. Mm hmm. And he's going to see this too. Mm -hmm. So, Daryl Strawberry, we've been down for like 25 years. Wow. I've been sponsoring him. I met this other guy, I don't know if you remember Gary McLean. Mm -hmm. Gary McLean played for Villanova. Okay. And Villanova had the perfect game. He was the guard. And I met him along the way. And of course, Stephen and uh, Richie Sue. I met a lot of people in yeah. there, considered stars. But when you sit down and you talk to these guys, they talk about recovery. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's just crazy. Uh, Richie sponsored me when I first got here. Wow, Richie used to sponsor you? Yeah, when I first I never came. knew that. Yeah, when I oh, first wow. came, Richie sponsored me. And today we just sponsor each other and I sponsor him. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. Be careful what you give these guys when they first come in, y'all, if you're listening <laughs> out there. Yeah, you know what? That's something they used to say. They used to say, like, when I got, I was thinking, like, what they used to say. One thing they used to say, like, the writ, the, the literature don't relapse. Yeah. And I remember you used to say, uh, you know, be careful who you judge because they might be your sponsor one day. And that's the truth. You know? Look at you. You sponsoring yeah, me now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that's my motivation, man, because the last person I worked with, he is still in denial. He comes around every now and then. He smokes a cigar. He smokes cigars, but he's still in the street. Mm -hmm. and he, he just can't get around, but he's still struggling. And hopefully, we'll keep him in prayer, and hopefully one day he'll get in. You know? Let me ask you, what was recovery like when you first got clean? What was the fellowship like? Like, has it changed that much? Like, I love hearing about, like, you mm -hmm. know, the history of it. Okay. Well, when I first got here, it was a little bit more, I guess, that the people were a lot more closer, closer mm -hmm. than, like, today. And back then, that's when I learned about the literature only. It was more focused on the literature, and there was a lot of stuff that didn't make sense to me. Because if you had the virus back then, mm. you couldn't share that in the meeting. They said that was an outside issue. Wow. Yeah, they would cut you off in, uh, in the meeting. And my best friend, Louis, Louis yeah, yeah, yeah. shared about it. And he said, well, I'll never forget it. We used to go to the Lambda Club, because at the Lambda wow. Club, Mm -hmm. It wasn't an outside issue. That you could share, you about, share it. about it. Yeah. Wow. And today, of course, you could share, share about it. But back then, so yeah. back then, the camaraderie was mm -hmm. much, much closer. We just hung out together, man. Like it was the last day of our lives on earth. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you missed a, a, a meeting, we automatically was like at your house or mm -hmm. gave you a call or whatever. And today's fellowship is just, I mean, you know, like I know, there's only one constant in the universe, and that's change. So the fellowship has changed, but the program is the same. Mm -hmm. The literature is the same, the, but the fellowship has changed and we're continuing to um, evolve and move forward. And there's a lot of stuff I don't like, <laughs> of course. It ain't about me, it's about mm -hmm. the we of the program. Let me tell you this little story. I, wanted to, I, I don't want to yeah, forget yeah. this. So my mother got real, real sick, right? This is after she put me out, told me I could never come back in, and she used to carry a little thing, you know what this is, mm -hmm. and, and she would tell me, you ain't coming in here. She didn't have to get no, uh, what do you call, order and yeah. all of that. I didn't go in. But she's dying, and I got maybe 10 years in. And they called me and they said, listen, mom, mom's dying, and she only got a couple of hours to live. I said, well, listen, I'm in Florida. Takes me a couple of hours to fly up there. They said, well, we don't really care. Make sure you get here. So I get on the plane. I go up. She's in Bellevue. And I go up to the room. She got all kind of tubes and stuff and nose, my throat, the whole shit. They got all the window shades down. It's real dark in there. Gloom and doom. Impending doom. All of that. So I open up all the shades and put the lights on and... I sit down next to her and I grab her hand, right? And I say, Mom, you can go now. It's okay. And she's 
kind of looks at me, opens her eyes, and I see her kind of smile a little bit. And she took the thing out, out of her throat. And I said, Ma, you can go. And this is the kid that she told me, you'll never, ever come a foot in my, uh, my home again. So I, I see her smiling, right? And it was so funny because she used to tell my aunts and all of them, I said, Ma, you know, I saved this little kid that was on the railroad tracks. And she would be like, railroad tracks? What train was it? Was it the A train, the C train, the B train? And I would say, no, Ma. It was that little train that they have in the mall. And that's the truth. <laughs> I grabbed the kid off the tracks, you know, the little mm -hmm. train they ride, and I left like my hero would mm -hmm. do, like Superman or one of guys. So they didn't get a chance to ask me no question. But she loves that story. I would have to tell everybody that damn story. She's just laying there, and I say to her one more time, Mom, you can leave. And she looked at me. And she said, I ain't going a goddamn place till you pay me my $10. Wow. And I, I, every time I think about it, I think about that. Mm -hmm. We were laughing. And, and, but she got her son back, you know, and there was one part in my uh, addiction. I remember coming home 3 o'clock in the morning, knocking, looking up at the window, knocking. I, the light comes on. She comes down. You know, the, in New York, you got the building. She comes down and opens up the door. And she says, my son's name is William. If you see him out there, please tell him to come home mm -hmm. and slam the door. And I never forgot that. Even today, I think about that. And a lot of that stuff keeps me motivated to continue to do what I, what I do. And I got my, my kids back and both ex-wives are back. <laughs> Everybody's back. And I got me back first mm -hmm. and foremost. When I graduated, my friend, I flew the kids down and my daughter, they came down on the plane. I said, I, I have to reach this goal. I wanted to be a, I ain't never wanted to be no damn doctor, to be honest with you. My degree is in metaphysical science. And that sounds like I know some shit that I like. The only one thing I know, if I don't pick it up, I won't get out. I just wanted to do something where I can impact somebody's life and maybe be a tool that they can be motivated by to continue to chase their dreams. You know, my brother couldn't run fast enough to get this program. You know, he died OD, mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of people that you and I both know that kind of checked out. And I stay clean just to like be able to carry the message to, to those who may be struggling and let them know if an old dodo head like me can get, you can get it too. <laughs> And I'm fun, I have fun. We were in Hawaii, been to Hawaii. I've been everywhere as a result of doing this and met a whole lot. Of, I had a radio show five years ago, no, it's about seven mm -hmm. years ago. And the last person I interviewed on the radio show. What was the name of that? Yeah, it was 1030 Rockers in Recovery. Rockers in Recovery. Rockers okay. in Recovery. We also used to do the big concerts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The last person I interviewed was uh, Greg Allman from the Allman Brothers Band. Mm -hmm. One of the most generous guys I met, and he died a year uh, after. And I also met a guy Richie sent to me, said, you go to meet and look for Will G. And the guy comes up to me and he says, you Will G? I said, sure. <laughs> and, uh, and we talked, we kicked it. I didn't know who it was. And Richie said, you know who that was? I said, no. He said, that was David Cassidy. And the guy looked so old. He mm -hmm. looked like he was like 90 years old. I remember as a kid, my sister and then used to have his picture. He was the shit in the 60s. Oh, yeah. He had a heart throb. They would have pictures of him. And I looked at him and I seen the disease of alcoholism mm -hmm. and drug addiction just by the way he looked. And of course, his liver shut down. And, and all of the stuff that happens, Park Avenue, Park Bench, you don't really care. As a result of us doing what we do and just being there for the community and, and helping people save their lives, I uh, got a call 2016, go to the airport, there's a ticket for you to come to D.C. And I'm like, D.C., there's a hurricane coming and I'm not getting on no damn plane. No, get, get the plane. So I got on the plane. Instead of us flying up the coast like normally they do, mm -hmm. we had to come around the back over the Appalachian Mountains oh, and wow. shit it, yeah. and, and come in. 
So when we got there, they had me in the W. And to me, the W, I would have rather stayed in Motel 6. Mm. I wasn't really all that fresh with the W. The room was so small. And the next day on the lawn, we were expecting 50,000. But we got 30,000. I'm backstage, right? And I got this lady sitting next to me. Blonde-headed lady. Nice-looking lady. It's October. I've been in Florida for a while. So October's a little chilly. And then it's raining. And, mm-hmm. and she's talking, running her mouth. She don't stop. I thought my ear would be, but then Daryl and I think it was Stephen, Daryl and Stephen and Tom Cordell were standing over laughing. When she got up and walked away, they said, do you know who that is? I said, no, man, but she talked my ear off. I said, that was Cheryl Crow, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, and a very nice lady. And there was a whole lot of people back, Dr. Oz, I met Dr. Mm -hmm. Oz backstage. One of my favorite guys of all time, I met uh, Chris Aaron back there. It was all of us facing addiction. They still have it. It's a worldwide known organization. Mm-hmm. Let's get the children before the street get the children. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Genesis House powered by the United Recovery Project. Located in sunny South Florida, we offer drug and alcohol addiction treatment as well as a major focus on dual diagnosis. Our addiction therapy programs include behavioral therapy, 12-step facilitation, psychotherapy, life skills training, and more. At our facility, you can expect a low client-to-staff ratio, daily group therapy, weekly one-on-one therapy sessions, and luxury amenities such as volleyball, basketball, pool, chiropractor, personal trainer, yoga, massage therapy, and more. Contact the United Recovery Project today and let's create a better tomorrow. So we're back there the next day. We go to the White House. Black House, Obama was <laughs> We go to the White House and I said, I can't get in there. I got five felonies. Mm-hmm. Said, and Tom Cordaire was a, one of the senior advisors in the Obama administration and we were going in with him. And, of course, Daryl was one of Obama's uh, favorite players. Mm-hmm. And so we went to the White House, and we was in the West Wing, and we took pictures, and me and Daryl, I left a, a, a meeting list mm-hmm. there. We're laughing at the place, and Daryl's cracking on the place, and I'm saying to White House, this thing was built in the 1800s. He's calling it ghetto, and mm-hmm. we're having fun, man. And the good news is out of all of that, you never know where you're going to go mm-hmm. when you come in here. But if you stay on the Yellow Creek Road, yeah. you will get there, you know? And, and after that, it's just my life has just changed so much. Uh, Sunrise Boulevard at the overpass when mm-hmm. I first got here. I had the sign, we'll work for food, mm-hmm. slept underneath the bridge over. And now I'm on the intercoastal, it's, it's crazy. And I drive a BMW and I used to walk to meetings and catch the bus. All the stuff that I thought that couldn't happen, happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you go back a long time and to see you and to see where you're at. I mean, that's the stuff that touches me in my heart. I appreciate heart. that. Yeah, it's, it's the truth, man. Yeah, and like I always tell people, it's like, uh, you know, when you're using, like drugs will take you to places that you never thought you'll be and you'll end up and you'll look in the mirror and be like, what, like, who am I? Like, you'll be surrounded with people and in situations that you're just like, how did I end up here? But recovery is the same way. Yes. You know, you'll get clean and, you know, years later, you got working on your doctor, you got a master's degree, and you're in the White House with Daryl Strawberry. Like, if mm-hmm. someone would have told you that when you got clean, you'd be like, man, you're tripping on ass. You know, exactly. it's like, like, if somebody would have told you, hey, well, if you stick around here, you're going to be in the White House with Daryl Strawberry and, <laughs> and Aerosmith. You'd be like Stephen Tyler. Yeah, Stephen Tyler. You'd be like, man, you're on drugs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's cool to see that. Yeah, all my heroes and all my heroes in here that continues to work, including yourself again. That continues to give back to the community, mm-hmm. you know. And I see you all the time, not as much as I used mm-hmm. to, but every time I see you, when I hear anything, he's giving back. You're giving back. Yeah, man, because it's like, I don't know, I was watching, uh, I watched a lot of like 
uh, like Joe Rogan and uh, I like Joe. Yeah, he's the man. And, and and Russell Brand was on the show, and Russell Brand's been clean like all these years. Mm -hmm. And Russell Brand was saying that you know he thinks about doing ayahuasca, but you know he's in recovery, so he wouldn't really do it. Mm -hmm. And Joe Rogan was like, you know, you're a different person now. You know, maybe you could try, it. but it's like as an addict, it's like man to get clean. You really have to be willing to say, like, I'd rather die than use again. Like, you need to have that type of mentality. Even if you could use successfully, like God came down and said, hey, I'm going to give you a free pass. Mm -hmm. For me to turn my back on the 12-step program that gave me life would be like walking away from my kids. It would be like leaving someone behind who's, you know, stranded on an island. Like, I just couldn't turn my back on a program that gave me everything I have. Mm -hmm. Like, people talk about leaving, you know, five minutes before the miracle. Mm -hmm. A lot of people leave five minutes after the miracle. Mm -hmm. You know? <laughs> like, you know, like, they get the miracle and they just leave, yeah. you know? And it's yeah. like, I just feel so indebted to the program. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah, for too. life. You know? Me too. My mantra is, I'm a proud member of a fellowship that has the power to save and change lives. And I live this program. I don't work the program. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference there. And I believe my old ass, 73, try to go use mm -hmm. something. I'm damn sure that guy. <laughs> yeah. Everything I am today is a direct result of other folks reaching out, helping me. So I feel indebted to reach back out and help help the people coming through. Let me ask you a couple questions before okay. we close. Mm -hmm. You know, you've been clean 33 years. You've worked in treatment. You have, you know, mm -hmm. tons of degrees. You've seen mm -hmm. all these people come in and out. Mm -hmm. What do you think is like the top couple reasons or why people relapse? The main reason, and I kind of learned this working in treatment, is that sometimes I just don't think the aftercare program is strong enough. Mm -hmm. I don't think sometimes it misses the mark as it is. Okay, you come in, you're just coming to meetings, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to take it to another level. We're going to make sure your ass get a job. Mm -hmm. We're going to make sure that you're here. And if you're not here, we got to stay consistent with the disciplines. The We're accountability and structure needs to be long. Exactly. And hang in there with them. Because for me, what really changed me, I believe, is that I was able to focus on becoming responsible. And then I had people that believed in me and then I had people that structure was with me consistently. Because mm -hmm. as soon as I got out, I got my sponsor, John C. I was with him 24-7, and he held me accountable. Mm -hmm. And he said, listen, we're gonna, first thing we're going to do is your ass going to get a job. <laughs> That's first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, each week I'm going to meet with you, and we're going to go to breakfast and dinner. Mm -hmm. And then he started hitting me with the steps very early on. but. He hit me with the steps as it related to what do I want to do and uh, what do I want to be when I grow up. And so it was a consistency or a consistent effort mm -hmm. to keep me responsible for myself. Anytime anything's going on, well, you make sure you pick the phone up, you call me right away. I lost my mother and father, first person I call him. I lost my aunt and uncle and, and Katrina, first person wow. I call was him. They still haven't found their bodies. Three months clean. My daughter was killed on the BQE. She was decapitated in a car accident. My other daughter didn't even get a scratch. Hmm. But I had people. That was, that was one of your daughters? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. My daughter, she was 15. How, how long were you clean? Uh, and that's when she passed. I, I, was, I got clean May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, uh, 1990. She died, and um, I always get this confused. Uh, Labor Day weekend. Mm -hmm. I always confuse. Right after. Yeah, Labor Day with Memorial oh Day. Oh my gosh. I'm still in denial, yeah. actually, with, with some of that stuff. But she's one of the reasons and one of the resources that I use to continue to keep it moving today. My other daughter's back. She re just retired. She, she retired as a captain out of the, um, the Army, Iraq. I mm -hmm. ran the whole stuff. I got her back in my life. I never talked to her about what happened or asked. And sometimes she'll tell me, yeah, that damn thing. She was just so crazy. She used to wear regular socks. But what I found out was my daughter who passed away played the piano. Mm -hmm. And my daughter, Titi, she played the bass. And I played bass and the piano. So I'd oh, see the cool. music thing there. So. It's a good thing, especially for the new people out there, if you might be listening and you're struggling, man, just give us a call. 
It's real, real simple. And know that there are people here that really care about you mm -hmm. and are willing to take their life and put their lives in your hands, helping you, you know, and then we come up with a saving two lives. Yeah, and I tell people, it's like, don't do anything without the approval of people with multiple years clean. Absolutely. And a lot of times, people's biggest thing is that they have a plan and they just start switching it without talking to anybody. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I have a friend who's struggling staying clean. And I told him, I was like, look, come to Florida. We're gonna scholarship you for 30 days mm -hmm. and you're gonna stay here for a whole year. You ain't going nowhere. There you go. When he's leaving treatment, he says, Brian said that he was gonna pay for my halfway for a whole year. I said, I did not say that. I said, your ass is going to get a job. That's right. And you're going to stay here for, I'm not paying your rent for a whole year. Like, where do they do that at? But it's like, that's what people hear, you know? Yeah. I told him, like, dude, you need to get a job and you need to stay there for a year. As soon as he gets out, he's like, I think I need to go back to California. I need to go get my clothes. I'm like, no, you ain't going anywhere. Mm. And I think one of the main reasons that people like travel too much. Mm. I know plenty of people that they commit to staying one place for a year and then, oh, I got to go to this funeral. Right. And it seems really important. I'm not going to say that missing a funeral is like, mm. but it's like, I've seen so many people go back home mm -hmm. and use. I really believe in staying put for one year. So that way you can be there for all the other birthdays and funerals exactly. and births. It's not about being there that one year. You got to show up for yourself for one year and stay put and build that foundation where it's like you just eat, breathe and sleep recovery there you go. and get a bullshit job. That's you it. Know, you need a bullshit job. It can't be no exciting job. It can't be no. The job's got to be real brainless. Yes. And recovery has got to be the most exciting thing mm -hmm. in your life. Not the job, not the girlfriend. That yeah. was my thing. You really do you remember Nadine? I do, of course. Listen, yeah. let me tell you some mm -hmm. secret before we get out mm -hmm. of here. As I was going to, uh, um, you're the ladies' man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as I was going to, yeah, insane. I can tell you my life. Uh, as I was going to Tampa each week, and Nadine moved up to uh, Michigan, and she got cancer. And I have cancer today too. You have cancer today. Yeah. Well, what is four times? Fourth stage liver. I, never, I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Before Nadine, I, I was paralyzed in November from the waist down. And I was laying in the hospital on the pity pot stuff and that whole thing. And I turned on the TV and it was American Got Talent. And they had this lady come out. Her name was Nightbird. Mm -hmm. And she sang a song. And they said, well, what have you been doing? What, what kind of work? And she said, well, I'm in the fourth stage of cancer. It's in my throat, uh, my spine, and my brain. Wow. And the song was, it's okay to be okay. I must have cried two days, because mm -hmm. here she is making that statement. And when I heard the name Nightbird, Nadine died from brain cancer also. Mm -hmm. She got lung cancer and it went into a spine. Yeah, when she died, man, the whole, it was, it was like, so many people were so impacted by her. Oh, she was, she was the bomb. Mm -hmm. And Nadine's favorite poet was Yolanda Van Zandt. And Yolanda Van Zandt wrote a poet called The Night Bird, The Cage Bird Sings. Mm -hmm. And that was her favorite poem. And now all of this is going through my head. So now I'm motivated by this girl, Nightbird. She just passed away last February. Mm -hmm. I get myself together and I get back and I do what they tell me to do and I struggle and I do this and they offer me pain medication, you know, the whole mm -hmm. thing. I said to myself, you know, American Gangster, I was getting <laughs> nodding on the corner, I can't take any of that. When I was in school, Nadine died April 10th. So they called me, her mother and my sister and all them, Nadine passed, and said, okay, excuse me, April 12th. I told my professor that my girl just passed away, and he said, okay, we'll take her early lunch and go. So when we came back from lunch, the whole school, over a thousand people in the school, mm -hmm. the whole school took a moment of silence out for Nadine over the loudspeaker. Wow. That's how powerful this program is, mm -hmm. or the program or whatever you might be doing in your life. It manifests your life. And she gave me a, a little bear that I gave her that she had on it. It said something like, I love you. And she used to always tell me before when she was in hospital, 
tell me you love me. And I would say, come on now, you know I love you. And she would say, no, tell me you love me. And I had to do this all the time. I said, okay, I love you that much. And she said, okay, tell me why. And I would say, because you can only fit God and you in there. And that was her mantra, and she would smile. And before she passed away, they had to put her in a, an induced coma because she was in so much pain, and she refused to take pain medication. She took Tamarol or something like mm-hmm. that, and she was always complaining how the Tamarol was hurting her more than the damn cancer. But she left. Her spirit still lives with a lot of people. Daryl used to call her man every other day praying for her. Uh, my man Doc from uh, Tampa and a lot of people, man, was connected to her. I say that to say that that was my soulmate. I never knew it until after the mm-hmm. fact. Because when we were together, I was like, how did you cheat on me? Right? She cheated on me with Frankie. <laughs> I can say Frankie. I, why did you cheat on me? I'm the best thing to <laughs> Sliced bread, me, <laughs> and I carried all of that for years, man. Like in five years, I didn't talk to her the whole shit. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she said, "Well, I never cheated on you. I cheated on myself. Mm-hmm. That was my pattern, running from man to man to man, looking for love. And that blew me away as far as me blaming others for how I feel mm-hmm. or the reason why they reacted." Is because it was me, you know, and that all—that was my mantra, you know. But I never had boundaries, and I found out that if you don't have boundaries, you volunteer to be a victim. Mm-hmm. And I always volunteered to be a victim, blaming you and everybody else for how I feel and and me not being able to make the goals. So today we're not blaming, you know. Today we're. We're claiming and we're continuing to move forward. Hey, well, I appreciate you for coming on the show. I love you very much. You know, if you ever need anything, you can always reach out to me. Like, I just want to reiterate, like, how much you mean to me. And like like, when I first got clean, when you would speak and share and all the guys you sponsor and how much fun y'all would have, like, it really was something that when someone's new that they need to see, that they need to see that people are having fun and and hanging out and making this seem, you know, attractive and relatable. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. And stop, because you don't have me crying <laughs> on here and I don't want to mess my image up. Hey, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. you. Will. Love you much. Love you too. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.